Hold on one second. Sorry, Jack is snoring really badly. I'm trying to wake him up. Oh dear. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Dame, the world's first reusable tampon applicator. Thank you very much, Dame. Welcome to Is This Working, a podcast about the messy parts of work. With me, Anna Kojirado. And me, Tiffany Philippou. This week, we're talking about feeling lonely at work. Yes, we're talking about being isolated in isolation. Before we get into the episode today, please do share, rate and review the show. The best way to support creators right now is to engage with their content in this way. So every like, every review really makes a difference. Yes, and thank you so much to those who've already done it. It really helps other people find the show. On with today's episode. Anna, is work making you feel lonely? You know what? It really is. This is possibly the first time in my freelance life when I've really wished that I worked for a company. I miss the camaraderie of having colleagues and I just feel very, very alone. Um, It's partly because, I mean, I literally am alone. My only work colleague really is you. And whilst this podcast has been a massive lifeline for me and getting to record these episodes and have work meetings with you has been brilliant. The bulk of what I do day to day is done alone and it's not helped by the fact that at the moment, All of the problems that freelancers usually face, you know, like feeling insecure and not knowing when your next paycheck is coming from, they're just massively, they've just been massively amplified right now. And, you know, even the government's support for freelancers is very much lacking and it's very confusing and and all of this stuff. So yes, to answer your question, I feel really lonely at work right now. It's funny in a way because my experience is almost opposite where I would argue that I'm less lonely at work because I sit opposite um, my housemate Lara and we work all day together and we most time stop and have lunch together and it's almost like being back in an office like I'll send her um, a link to an article that I like via Gchat and then we'll giggle and like um, we work in similar industries and sent um that there is actually a lot of overlap and it's relevant for us to talk about our work as well. So bizarrely, I've sort of found myself getting that camaraderie that I didn't realise, because as discussed on this podcast about a bajillion times, I'm actually an extrovert. So Lord knows why I freelance, but um, it's 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 been quite nice to get that back. And it's kind of reminded me almost why people do like to work with people day to day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, really pleased to hear that you're having that experience because it just, it also makes me think about 
all of the stories I'm hearing from friends who work for companies and who are going on massive company-wide Zoom calls and they're texting their colleagues in the middle of the Zoom call and getting in trouble. And it's very much that passing notes in class kind of vibe. And I hear those stories and they really, I mean, they wore my heart, but they also make me quite envious because it's really nice when you have that other person or those other people to feel like you're almost in a, I guess, in a little gang or in a little tribe. Um, and you just have that feeling of connection basically. Um, and it, I guess in this case, it's in the sort of face, you know, you're, you're kind of facing this invisible illness together with other people. Um, but it's also kind of, you know, people don't know what's happening in their work situations and there's probably mixed messages and a lot of confusion and not great comms about how to navigate this whole situation. And having colleagues is, is that way to just feel like someone has your back right now. Um, and I don't know, it makes me, um, I'm going to sound so sad <laughs> on this podcast, I think, but it just makes me think about how, you know, I'm an only child and I w- always used to be quite envious of people with siblings because it just, um, I kind of always thought, oh, it's really nice to have another kid around to sort of be two kid, you know, be kids with sort of against, not against the adults, but have that, have that kid. So it, rather than it just be the adults and one child, you have those, you you basically have your little support system, your little buddy network. Um, So that's, yeah, that's kind of like how I'm feeling at the moment. Quite sad and lonely, basically. Well, that makes me really sad to hear. Um, And um, maybe we should talk even more. But but what I do think is really interesting is um, the way you're talking about like, a gang and like childhood and it's kind of what I'm hearing is you're wanting to resort to kind of feeling quite safe um in a time of chaos yeah um and I guess yeah having that that those feelings of safe would just really help but another kind of flip side of it as someone who does have a sibling um I think that there's that challenge around because everyone's a bit tense um and siblings can have a lot of beef and rivalry um I think there's also the people who do have colleagues there's a lot of tension happening as well so it's kind of that it's that trade-off where like if you're alone you're kind of left alone but then if you have people you have to like deal with people and like all their stress as well so it's quite a difficult trade-off right now I think yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm sure, you know, people listening to this who are working for companies and do have colleagues, probably, you know, it's very much for me, I'm looking at this as sort of grass is greener. Um, but, you know, th- what is interesting is also that even before this moment of isolation, there has been a problem with loneliness in society. And, you know, the issue is, has the, the way to solve loneliness is never about this very superficial, just like smiling at strangers and kind of um, picking up the phone more. It's about the actual connection and and the nature of the conversation that you're having. Definitely. Yeah. You can be surrounded by people and feel really lonely. You can be in a relationship and be far more lonely than when you're single. Um, It really is all about meaningful um, connection. And I wonder whether a lot of work loneliness that people might be experiencing right now is because they're not getting that level of connection that they like particularly need. Um, because I mean, why do you, why do you think that you're more aware of your loneliness now than when your setup was 
pretty much exactly the same um, sort of pre-pandemic. I think it's partly to do with feeling really, really vulnerable. So I have lot, and I do still believe this. I have long said that as a freelancer, I've challenged the idea that I am in, in insecure work and how, you know, and I've, as I've said many, many times before, I went, I came to freelancing as a result of an unexpected and very sort of immediate redundancy and how I'd spent my, most of my career essentially waiting for a redundancy to happen because I work in the media and it's more of a matter of when rather than if you lose a job. And ever since I've worked for myself, I've felt like I've been able to be agile and to adapt. And I've always felt really, really secure. I, you know, uh, to a large extent, yes, I haven't necessarily always known where my next paycheck is coming from, but I've always felt very secure in my ability to make money and that everything would be okay. And right now, all of that has been massively turned on its head and I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. And I do worry and I do feel very insecure and I do feel more, um, uh, you know, I feel less supported than um, my kind of contemporaries in office, in um, in-house roles in terms of the government support available to me. So I think that's a really big part of it. I think also another big part of it is that I'm not really getting a whole lot of feedback right now. So, um, you know, my pitches are going unanswered. It's getting, it's um, <laughs> for once in my life, the volume of emails I'm getting is, is a lot lower. And actually I have battled for so long to have less email and now I have less email. It really worries me because it basically means people aren't replying to me. People aren't getting in touch with me, um, you know, for work purposes and that kind of stuff. So, um, so I think that's kind of the, the, the issue because Yes, on the day to day, everything essentially looks the same for me. I was already working at home. I was already working by myself. Um, and the nuts and bolts of what I do is all the same. And yet, how I feel about it is very, very different. I heavy relate to that lack of feedback and how demotivating it is. And I know that it's something, it's not just about people who pitch um, to write stories like you and I do. I think it's happening across the board because, you know, the economy is basically frozen um, and I, I'm just finding it really hard. And, 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 and you know how you're meant to follow up, you should push, but it's like, I don't know whether to do that or not right now, because I don't know what's happening on the other side with that person. And um it's just really hard. So one example is um, I sent a pitch to a company to write for their company blog and they replied um, saying, yes, great idea. Um, they didn't say what their rates were. So I was like, okay, cool. This is how much um, I think I should be paid for this. Um, and they replied being like, oh, that's way higher than we have budget for. Uh so unless you're happy to massively reduce your fee, um, it's a no go. And again, it's like, I mean, this is a separate point. Um, you know, tell me what the number is. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, let me know what, how much it's, you know, give me something to work with here. And then they just went quiet on me and it's like, who knows what's going on behind the scenes, but that on its own wouldn't be a big deal. But when that's coupled with every single pitch you've sent out for the last few weeks, just being ignored, um, and you don't even know if it's worth following up. It's just, it just really like builds up over time. I think that just, you're like screaming into the void. Um, and it's, yeah, I guess it's quite depressing and demotivating. 
it's really demotivating. It's really demotivating to pitching. Pitching sucks at the best of times because you have to do all of this upfront front work and um, you have no idea what's going, whether or not anything is going to come of it. And to not even get an answer, you know, to not even get a no, it just, um, you know, you can't help but think, did this person even open my email? If they did, did they laugh at it? You know, all of the, all of these kind of, um, anxieties come creeping into your mind. And at the moment we're feeling really anxious anyway. So there's all of that on top of it. Plus you can't help but think, oh God, is my email going unanswered because this person has been, is sick or there is something going on in their lives or have they been furloughed or is their company in, at risk? And, you know, all of, there's just all of this other stuff going on. And then, and then, and then you start to feel bad because you think, um, you know, you can't help but think, oh, well, yes, I'm struggling, but someone else's struggle is, um, I don't know, you know, if someone else's struggle is, is sort of quote unquote worse than mine. I don't think we should kind of get into a hierarchy of suffering, but you can't help but think, think along those lines. And, and so, yeah, it's just really, really, it's really hard. And when so much of your work relies on someone else to give you a, a green light, it just makes it very, very difficult to, to, um, just to go about and do, do your job basically. Yeah. And I think, um, it's exactly what you were saying earlier. It's feeling vulnerable and, um, you know, feeling a bit insecure and that coming together with the rejection or silence just makes it really tricky. Um, and you just feel a bit more desperate, but then you're fighting with that thing about, you know, cause back, back in the past, um, you could sort of laugh off someone or, not laugh off, obviously you should take um, <laughs> rejection seriously, but you could brush something off maybe if, you know, a company was being a bit silly or whatever. Whereas now you're like, as you say, like, oh, maybe something's bad happened or um, I don't know. It's just a general feeling of lacking confidence and feeling a bit more desperate and insecure. Um, like I, I kind of uh, hate most of my ideas, so I don't really bother following up and I'm like, oh, that sucks. Um, and I guess it just, it all just feels a bit... Um, pointless in a way like what, what's the point in me so I also do startup work um startups are struggling I mean everyone's struggling um what's the point in me uh pitching to do copywriting for them like why would they hire a freelance copywriter right now and it just kind of you get into a spiral of like what's the point like no one's doing anything no one's like paying for comms or advertising or blah 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 and it's just you just get in this um it just feels like this big thing that's like so beyond us is just having a massive meltdown and it just feels really pointless basically. I mean, quite literally I'm having an existential crisis and thinking about whether or not my work is pointless more or less every single day now. And it's just, it's, as you say, it's just a bit of a spiral. And when it's at its worst, it gets to the point where I kind of think, well, what is even the point of what I do? Because, um, you know, there are so many, so much, so much, there are so many really big, important things happening right now. And key work right now is frontline work, which is people keeping this country safe. And what I'm doing kind of like, it just, it just feels very pointless and you just feel quite helpless and you feel like you're not really contributing anything of value. And, um, you just kind of really question, you just, I just, I personally just kind of, I'm just questioning everything right now and just feeling unbelievably helpless in it to a, to a large extent. It makes me really sad to um, hear that. And I'm sure that um, I, I, I feel like basically when one like loses their sense of sort of purpose at work, 
I think that does come out of that like lack of feedback and disengagement. Um, I sort of, I've always said, I think in our, was it in our motivation episode? It's like we all, um, there's different amounts of impact and we all contribute in different ways and all play different roles. Um, I, I just think about how um, you and me doing this podcast has been an absolute lifesaver for me. And so <laughs> maybe it's a really small impact, but um, for me, the work that you do is really important. Um, Thank you. Thank you. This was, um, you know, and I, and I do, I'm very conscious of kind of making these kinds of statements because it is it's incredibly sort of privileged and, and it does feel very sort of like I'm getting my tiny violin out. Um, but I just, you know, the, you're being honest reality, I think this, so. yeah I'm trying to I'm just trying to save you know I'm bearing my soul because that's that's what this whole show is about but you know of course I am I, I and this is not kind of this is definitely not a pity party for me but I do I do completely hear what you're saying and it is true and like I have said also for me doing this um podcast and also and the other one they do yes it does also it does also bring me meaning it bring it brought me a lot of meaning before the pandemic and it does continue to bring me meaning throughout it but nonetheless you know you can't help these thoughts that creep in basically no and actually it's really good to um acknowledge the thoughts and let them in and not feel guilt or shame around them because um it's completely reasonable to have those thoughts and um in case it wasn't clear, I too go down that path of thinking and I feel quite frustrated and helpless. And I know that, um, I guess we talked about it on the Harriet Minter episode about productivity guilt. There's, it, it, it's quite safe and relaxing to almost be consumed with your work. So when you don't have that and all this other stuff's going on, it's, um, it's just very stressful. So, um, you are not alone um, and I'm not alone either. And yet the lack of control, I think, of what's going on wider does make us feel just really isolated and lonely. I've always felt like um, I've loved working for myself. I've loved feeling like I have power and control over my work destiny. And suddenly that's sort of been taken away from me because I cannot control what's happening at a wider scale and I do not know long know how long it will last for. I could create the best sort of, I don't know, marketing or whatever to sell myself thing in the world, but there's limitations that I just cannot control right now. It's so interesting you bring that up because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot throughout all of this and how it's been a really, really humbling experience for me because I have realised, I've kind of come face to face with the reality that I have very happily under the guise of flexibility and freedom built a career for myself in which I try to control every minute aspect of it from the fact that, you know, I didn't like commuting. So I didn't want a job in which I had to commute to, oh, I um, don't like working with certain companies or people, so I won't work with them. Um, oh, I don't like how this person is treating me. So I don't want to work with them. And it's all about control. And it's all about, I'm going to set myself certain goals and I need to, and I know, I never was really kind of prescriptive about I must reach X goal by X time, but very much there was a path and there were strategies and there, there are systems and there are calendars and all of this stuff. And it's just been so humbling to realize what a low, what an illusion that is and how, yes, of course you should try to be organized and plan things, but also it just accepts that you really, really, there's very, very little you can actually control and that 
um, you know, work is this area that we think we have so much control over and we try to exert so much control over it. And just, I mean, just look at where we are right now. And, and, and it's been such a reckoning that actually we have just as little control in our overall, over our work, over our working lives as we do in any other aspect of what, of, of who we are and what we do. That's exactly it. I always saw myself as someone who wasn't that controlling. And if I'm honest, I was like, that's a bit more Anna. <laughs> um, in a in a good way, like you're very organized, you do your plans, you, you know, you've got it together. Um, and the reality is, and I've written a lot about how uh, control is an illusion and you know, to try and control things is impossible and, you know, the theory of it. And if I've learned anything about myself in this pandemic, it's that I'm extremely controlling and um, I don't necessarily have the same detail with regards to planning or routine. But as you say, like I've created a work life where um, I um, choose who I work with. I have very little tension and actually the reality is that's one of the hardest things I used to find about working with other people and places. So, the, and the reason the pandemic's exposed the control is I, I, I think a lot of my control I put in my working life, as you say, and in my like other aspects of my life, I was a bit more relaxed about it, but this has toppled our ability to control our working lives. And that's really exposed how controlling I ha- actually am. How, how does it kind of come out for you? Um, because I'm really interested to hear and like how this kind of manifests, like what sort of like behaviors do you do when you're trying to be very controlling in your, in, in your working life? Well, as you say, it's controlling that every element of your working life from where you work, um, and who you work with. And I guess one of the things that I really need to, um, work on in myself is I can be quite quick to write people off and the way we work is I get to choose who I work with so if someone enters that so say there's like a client who I work with and I don't respect um, or it quickly transpires that I'm not going to I can very quickly um, write them off and because of my current situation I can just get rid of them Um, and I guess that Um, more recently I've noticed that something in my work has felt out of control like almost something's taken something from the Jenga piece and I've like sought to find control elsewhere so maybe like on a different project try and change what's happened there or like change the person Um, obviously I'm not talking about changing my podcast co-host just to be clear (laughs) Um, but um um, yeah, it's that kind of like I lost control in one area and then I try and find control somewhere else. And I've never really noticed that in the same way before. Um, and then obviously kind of um, lashing out in uh, personal life and all that kind of stuff has happened as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess it's just exposed how controlled like my working life had become, I think. Let's take a quick break and then dive straight back into this. This episode is sponsored by Dame, the brand on a mission to make our periods plastic free. Dame launched the world's first reusable tampon applicator to save our oceans from the 1.3 billion tampon applicators thrown away every year in the UK alone. Dame's reusable applicator, the D, 
gives women a more sustainable choice. All the comfort of an applicator, but without the waste. It's really exciting to see a product that's solving such a huge problem, both for women and the planet. The good people at Dame have been kind enough to give Is This Working listeners 30% off an organic tampon subscription. Just use the code ITW30 at Dame's website, which is wearedame.co, for 30% off an organic tampon subscription. That's ITW30. It's so fascinating to hear. Um, And also, I guess it's also, it it does feel to a large extent that there is a lot of kind of personal growth and sort of moments of realization that are happening through this. Um, However, all that being said, I do worry about whether or not all of this control and sort of wanting to control things does actually in the long term possibly harm our growth, be that on a professional level or be that maybe on a personal level. Yes, I'm beginning to become a bit more aware of the limitations of that desire to control. So um, just before this episode, actually, I was doing uh, meditation uh, with my, over Zoom uh, with my friend, uh, Holiday Phillips. and has um, been on the show before. She, oh, yeah. Holiday she has, from, hol- from podcast fame. Of course. Um, um, she has indeed about bringing your authentic self to work. Um, but we did a visualization actually it was all about being compassionate to yourself um it was really brilliant um because that is what we all need right now um but in one part of the visualization she was like imagine someone who you have tension with they might be a like co-worker or whatever and and I was sort of um I was trying to you know someone you've had to have a difficult conversation with and I like couldn't think of anyone and on the one hand that's like oh great well done but on the other hand I was like oh, right, I don't, how can I possibly grow or stretch myself if I'm not having difficult conversations with anyone or, or if I'm not um, working with people who might challenge me? Um, and I actually thought that, um, you know, as I kind of said, one of the hardest, I'm perfectly capable of completing the jobs that I do, whether that's kind of like writing something or comm strategy or whatever. Um the pr- trouble I've had, and I think we've discussed this in our office politics episode as well. Most of work is about dealing with people. Um, and on the one hand, I'm actually pretty good at that. But on the other hand, whenever there's been a challenge, um, I guess I haven't developed almost sucking it up a little bit. Um, and actually that's probably going to limit my growth because you're always going to have to work with people and you're always going to have to have difficult conversations. So if I'm only selecting who I work with and only working with people I hugely respect, then how am I going to grow? I I ask myself the same question when I think about how I, my lack of ability to take it's not so much not being able to take criticism on board, which also I, I'm not very good at that either. But I just think about, um, you know, when pitches get rejected and I'm I'm in a couple of freelance groups and, you know, a lot of the conversation that happens in these groups, um, these are sort of WhatsApp groups and Slack groups and things like that. And a lot of the conversations that happen are around um, 
editors not accepting pitches or not getting back to you. And and the conversation is very much a kind of, you know, like, well, it's the, it's the, it's the editor's short, short sightedness for not taking this pitch or when something goes wrong um, in the process of putting together a story, you know, the conversation is always that it's the editor's fault. And, and I say this as someone who very much participated in, in these conversations and very much also always used to think it was always them, never me. And now I'm looking at these conversations and I'm kind of thinking and looking at my own kind of behaviors and sort of my own kind of quickness to jump at blaming, blaming the other, blaming the client or blaming the editor. And I kind of think, well, hold on a minute, maybe actually the problem is me. And how, how will I ever learn that? How will I ever kind of expand and, and, um, uh, you know, improve my pitches and improve, sort of improve and grow professionally. If I'm always able to dismiss the criticism of um, of the person that I'm working with, if I'm able just to say like, no, no, it's them, not me. Then you know, because sometimes it is me. You know, it, it really is, and and I need to learn when that is, and I need to be able to kind of grow from that. So, so yeah, I completely, what you're saying completely resonates with me. Um, you know, but it does make me think that, you know, what kind of growth is actually really even possible right now in this pandemic, um, in terms of this, I don't, I don't want to kind of make out that this is some sort of personal or professional development exercise because it's really not. Um, but I'm just kind of, I, it, it does make me wonder like, how can we grow right now? Yes, I think that now is not the time for me to seek out difficult colleagues or for you to seek out criticism. <laughs> but um, I do think it's the time for us to reflect on the fact that those two things might be missing from our working lives. So I don't think it's possible to grow in the middle of a pandemic. I think that we are surviving and the only thing we can do is be kind to ourselves and each other. But I do think we can use this time to reflect on when things return in some shape or form. Um, how do we want to re-enter the world? And if growth and how can we seek to grow when we re-enter the world? I think a question's worth considering right now. Yeah, and um very much on a on a practical level, I think it is so important. I know that I know we say this kind of stuff on the podcast anyway, and, and I know it's being said everywhere, um, but nonetheless, it is really important just to say that how prioritizing wellness is is something that everyone really needs to be doing right now because it's so easy to let that kind of thing slip. Um, as you said, you know, you're doing meditation and all of, all of the things that everyone knows. We've eat, got um, try to eat well, try to sleep well, try to do some exercise, be kind to yourself. We've, we've got really into Joe Wicks's uh, YouTube hit works at workouts in our house. Um, they are 20 minutes and they are a game changer to your mood. I'm yet to try the, I, I'm yet I, to try out the Joe Wicks phenomenon. I'm not, I've never really been someone who, um, I just make my work up, workouts up as I go. Um, but I, I need to get onto this sort of home workout bandwagon well, and, and um, be part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, it's it's funny though because I was the same. I was always a bit like you know, but but there's but they're actually perfect for right now because they're really easy to follow and they're that right level of difficult. Um, but um, anyway, maybe we should. Uh, <laughs> we'll, talk well more I about guess this also later. just one. Yeah, well, I guess actually the thing that is important and the thing that is relevant to say is that uh, going going back to what you said earlier about how you you kind of you wish you had colleagues or you wish you had a boss so that you could be told what to do. Um, 
I think that's a feeling that a lot of people have right now and whether or not they actually have colleagues or bosses or whatever the situation is, people want just to, want to just be told what to do. So if that also extends to an exercise class, then, you know, lean into that. Yeah, I think that's actually, that's such a clever parallel you found there because I didn't even realise, but you're so right. Like, I just want someone to tell me what to do. And also he's really nice as in he's almost like struggling with it with you. And again, it's that kind of like, we're all in this together. Like this next sit up is quite hard. I, I'm struggling, um, but I will stop banging on about uh, Jay Wicks now. <laughs> um, the, I mean, the other piece of advice that I find really helpful right now when it when you know you do feel very disillusioned with what's happening work-wise is um it is just that the oldest and one of the best pieces of advice is around um sort of just taking each day as it comes yeah that's something that I've been really um taking so much comfort in because um kind of going back to what everything we were saying about the control and stuff it's been a real exercise in in learning what it truly means to be flexible um every you know each morning I now wake up and I kind of ask myself what do I need what do I need from this day what what do I need to make sure I'm taking care of um and I'm I'm not kind of focusing on well under normal circumstances I would work in this way and I would do x y and z because I don't know how I'm going to feel on on any given day and so I just kind of I'm just trying to take every day as it comes and um not kind of it's really interesting because I listen to the daily briefings um, and this has got a bit better but um the you know the questions from the reporters they just always center around well when are we going to know about when we can come out of lockdown and when when are we going to know this when are we going to know that and these you know these questions are just dripping with sort of like trying to grasp at some semblance of control and sort of wanting to know what's going to happen next all of that comes from feeling completely out of control and wanting to try to trying to control something that you can't and so you know just listen to what's happening right now and do what we're being told to do and try not to kind of think too far um too far ahead because i don't think it really helps in the long run no definitely contain the news consumption as well um elizabeth gilbert talked about having 45 minutes in the morning where she reads in the york times and and that's it and similarly i just read um the news in the morning and then don't come back to it um and because i found myself almost scanning and you know trying to piece together like what's going to happen next and it's like no one knows um and the headlines are almost like really swaying between hugely different things all the time and again, it's like, we cannot control, um, all we can do is kind of get through each day. Um, and I also think as well as checking in with yourself, which is what you talked about, Anna, when you wake up every morning, I think in general, checking in with other people is another really great way to, um, sort of get through that lonely feeling right now. Yeah. And, and when you check in with people, I think it's really important to actually, you know, ask them how they actually, how they're really doing. And, and that is something that I think people are naturally doing at the moment. And I really love the fact that every Zoom call I've been on, it has started with the other person asking me how I am and actually wanting to know how I really am and actually listening. And bear in mind that most of the people I Zoom with are, um, you know, strangers to me who I am interviewing for, for a story, um, who I will have a sort of 20 minute, half hour conversation with, and then, 
basically not hear from again. And nonetheless, we are, we are, we are properly kind of having that moment at the beginning where we are, um, just acknowledging each other's feelings basically. And, um, going back to what we were saying earlier that, you know, combating loneliness is not about smiling at strangers. It's about finding a connection with someone. Exactly. And I think I'm a big believer in you get back in what you put out into the world. So if you want to connect with people, um, you know, you need to offer them the space to connect with you. Um, So maybe you need to be the first one who is vulnerable and say, oh, I'm struggling. Or um, you uh, similarly, if you're not getting feedback and you want feedback, maybe start giving people compassionate feedback or just engaging with other people's work because even someone saying to me well done that was good that was helpful for x reason that's actually highly motivating right now so again if you want that then give it out and you know hopefully that means you'll get some back um yeah I mean I I I completely agree I mean every sort of um you know, when I send out my newsletter on a Friday and every, every person who replies, I mean, I already feel hugely grateful for those replies sort of pre pandemic, but even more so now, um, it's, it's really nice, especially for me, cause I send those emails out on a Friday and it's just a really, really nice end to my week to have kind of a couple of re- replies, just thanking me. Um, and you know, what takes you two minutes can just quite literally turn another person's day around. Um, and so if everyone starts doing that, then it just has that really lovely multiplier effect. Um, and, and I think also, you know, the other thing that's really important is just to hold on to the idea that everyone is really trying their best right now. So give people slack and, um, just always assume that if a person is kind of lashing out or sort of maybe not, maybe not talking in the right tone. It's because something is going on with them. I mean, that's not to say kind of excuse unacceptable behavior. You never should, but, um, maybe just, um, just cut, cut everyone a bit of slack because they really are. Everyone is trying their best right now. And like, no one is going about kind of wanting to make this, make these situations any worse than they already are. I think that's such a nice note to end on. And just to add, not only is everyone trying their best, but you too are trying your best. And, Um, if I've learned anything from my uh, meditation classes it's you should speak to yourself like you would a friend that you really like so um, yeah we're all trying our best thank you so much for listening we wish you a happy working week or as kind of as good as it can be under the given circumstances thank you This episode was brought to you by Dame, the world's first reusable tampon applicator. For 30% off an organic tampon subscription, use the code ITW30 at Dame's website, which is wearedame.co.